Hello and welcome to SE Elementary, the podcast that focuses on all things social and emotional learning, or SEL, for parents, educators, and the broader community. I'm your host, Dr. Shea Qureshi, Chief Academic Officer at Frameworks of Tampa Bay, the nonprofit organization behind this podcast. Frameworks empowers educators, youth services professionals, and parents and guardians with training, coaching, and research-based resources to equip students of all ages with social and emotional skills. To learn more, visit myframeworks.org. We're back for our second episode of the season, Growth Mindset, Refrigerator Work. In our last episode, we explored the idea of growth mindset, which is a way of thinking about oneself as being a constant work in progress. Someone with a growth mindset believes that intelligence is developed over time and that new skills take effort and practice. In contrast, a person with a fixed mindset believes that talent and intelligence are static. You either have it or you don't. Today, we're going to dive even more deeply into this topic by speaking with an incredible guest whom I'll introduce in a moment. If you're like me, sometimes it helps to hear real examples of these ideas in practice, real life stories and insights that we can apply to our own work as professionals, as parents, as educators. So throughout this season, we'll hear from people who are experts in their respective fields and who have insights to share. We'll talk with educators, corporate professionals, parents, researchers, all folks who can help us shed some light on topics relating to SEL and emotional intelligence. I couldn't imagine a better guest to kick us off than a true gem of a human, Renix Franklin, who is the school counselor at Broward Elementary School, one of the 89 partner schools that Frameworks is honored to support. Broward is part of the seventh largest district in the country, Hillsborough County Public Schools in Tampa Bay and is a school that embodies community and resilience and growth. And that is in no small part a reflection of Mr. Franklin, who along with Broward's principal, Angela Livingston, and assistant principal, Sharon Ambrose, as well as an incredible team of teachers and staff, is a key piece of the heartbeat of this school. I've seen Mr. Franklin in action for four years now and have been amazed by the extent to which he goes above and beyond to serve everyone in that building, students, educators, and families. He exemplifies SEL and manages to foster growth mindset not only in each child, but also as part of the entire school's culture through some systematic strategies that we all can learn from, whether we're parents, educators, or individuals looking for ways to cultivate a growth mindset in ourselves. I've invited him to join us so we can learn how he does it. Renix Franklin, the famous Mr. Franklin of Broward Elementary, welcome to the SE Elementary podcast. Well, hello. I'm super excited. It's an honor, a joy, and a privilege. The privilege is ours. Thank you so much for being here. So for our listeners who may not be as familiar with the role that you fill, could you tell us a little bit more about exactly what you do at Broward Elementary? Absolutely. So my primary role is serving as a school counselor, and I've been in that role for, this is my seventh year, and I get to support and implement and design the comprehensive school counseling plan. 
and that is kind of a framework for our students and our learning community to have access to experiences and opportunities that support their development in the areas of academics, personal social development, and college and career. And another piece that I get the privilege to work in is working with our community partners and stakeholders to bring those experiences to our students. Fantastic. So many of our listeners might not have been aware that in your role, not only are you interfacing with students, but you're also working very closely with all of the adults within the building and beyond who support students. And not only are you working on the intervention side of things when we see signs that a student could need additional support, but you're also very purposefully planning on the prevention side of things. You absolutely have that 100% correct. The (laughs) outlook from school counseling is to be preventative and proactive. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. So let's talk about the topic du jour, growth mindset. I would love to hear a little bit from you, Mr. Franklin, about how you see growth mindset versus fixed mindset play out on a day-to-day basis at your school. Well, the first thing, when I thought about growth mindset, I was super excited because it, it was nostalgic for me for a moment. It took me back when I was a teacher of gifted students, and that was really what we were trying to promote with those learners and making sure that we had the power of yet. So I was really thinking about what are we doing as a school community to help our students who are gifted, not gifted, all in between, understand the power of yet. So the first way that I thought about we do that here at Broward is through our data chats with students. We celebrate where they are and what they've already overcome. And through that conversation, through that process, we then set those goals so that they know where they are striving to go. And every member of their success team will help them get there, really knowing where they want to go, but not leaving where they've come from and making sure that we recognize and celebrate all the things that they've overcome to get to that moment of success. Our students truly are the personification of resilience. So giving them that credit and giving them that honor and esteem for knowing that they are meeting academic goals and they're working really hard and they are pushing themselves, recognizing that as a part of our conversation with them. So embedding that kind of mentality and perception is one of the ways growth mindset takes place here. And so parents and guardians listening, that can apply at home too in terms of our goal setting with our kids. So if our fifth grader brings home a test with an F, maybe the goal for next time isn't if you don't get an A, game over, you're grounded. But it's let's talk about what we can do to show some growth, to set some kind of reasonable goal. Exactly. I have to pay homage to my mother. One of the things that she did when I was coming up in elementary school was refrigerator work. And so whenever I would come home with, well, of course, with an A that got posted up there. But in some of the classes that I was struggling, especially when I got into middle school and took some advanced math classes and things like that, she would post my performance and test. If I had that grade and I got a better grade, it was there. So she was supporting me. I was seeing it. And it kind of gave me that sense of internal motivation to say, okay, well, I, I've grown from that lower performing grade. That's not really what I want. I can see every day that I've already accomplished some steps in a positive direction. Let me keep going. 
So if you're a parent working with your student, doing little things like that and just having open conversation with them about how they can continue to grow in a positive direction. Beautiful. And your mom really got that from early on and how fortunate that she gave you that and that that's something you can pass on. And I would imagine that felt like, okay, even though it's a C, it's a C and that's stronger than my showing last time and it has value and the effort I'm putting in has value. Absolutely. So how can we as adults embody and model growth mindset for our kids, whether it's in a school setting or beyond? I'm thinking of my colleagues in education. So my school counseling colleagues and my teaching friends out there, I think that we have to get to a place and several of us are there, but we have to share and be transparent with our students about some of the things that maybe we're not getting on the first go round. If I can highlight our teachers here at Broward, there's a great level that really is taking on teaching learners face-to-face -face while simultaneously teaching them on e-learning. And all three of those teachers really have pushed through and persisted and are showing or modeling to our staff and to our students that this was something new that we are all experiencing for the first time. And even though it may not be where I'm 100% right now, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to keep doing what I need to do to show you that I'm going to master this. Or if I don't master it, I'm going to get so good at it that when I look back, I can tell the story of how I persevered through something that was an initial struggle for me. So I think that as teachers are modeling that and sharing with students, you know, everything is not coming easy for us. Let me share with you how I navigate through that to be that model in the classroom for students. For parents and other adults interacting with our students, I think having authentic conversations about experiences in life can really help move people forward because it may not be within the educational context, it may not be in a school, but you may have had to persevere at your job. You may have had to overcome something with a friendship. And of course, keeping it developmentally appropriate, but sharing what's going on and how you're navigating your work as you continue to grow. Because one of the things that I remembered from the first podcast was uh, the concept of embracing our challenges and making sure that when we face them, we don't run from them. We see them as opportunities for us to practice our SEL competencies and to grow in our SEL competencies. And then once we get through it or over it, we now have a success story that we can share with someone to help them navigate their own moments. Thank you for that. And as you were sharing that, it made me have a new question. What I'm wondering now is, societally speaking, do we put pressure on men and on fathers to be that wall of strength and not to model that, you know what, I've had challenges and here's what I did to push through them. I would have to agree with that. I think that in the narrative of being a young man and coming into adulthood, if it wasn't explicitly said, you know, that you have to maintain this sense of strength and you can't break down, there might have been a feeling. And of course, I can't speak for all young men and all men, but through my experience, there was those nonverbal cues about that. When I became an educator, so when I studied elementary education, and then really when I began to study school counseling, 
I learned that it's important for everyone to recognize and identify truthfully your feelings and be in charge of them and be able to communicate them effectively to whomever you're working with. And so what I'm thrilled about is that if you have a foundation, if you have an opportunity to focus on social emotional learning concepts, looking at a growth mindset, it sets a standard to where this is where I am and this is what I'm experiencing. And I'm going to use my voice and I'm going to share with you my emotional compass, if you will. And then by me doing that, I'm allowing you to truly know how I'm approaching a situation. And because we have a shared vocabulary, you know what I'm truthfully feeling and going through. I'm in the process of reading Permission to Feel. Mm. And I just, I love that that also, specifically for young men, having someone to give them the permission to feel. It's okay if you feel angry, frustrated, sad, upset, depressed. Now that we've identified that, what do we do to move you through that? Yes. So I, I do agree that from my own experience, I can say there were definitely those nonverbals there that, you know, you have to stay strong and push through, which we want people to persevere, but not at the deficit of pushing your feelings down and ignoring them and not recognizing them for what they truly are. Beautifully said. And to build on that, we want them to see that there is strength in vulnerability. There is strength in acknowledging every step. And as you say, all those feelings are a normal part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And that Permission to Feel book that you mentioned by Mark Brackett of Yale, he speaks about how his uncle gave him that permission and he needed just that one person to validate who he is and be there as a sounding board. And I hope that for our listeners, that's encouraging. It doesn't require a full system change, although that would be nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that one person can make a huge difference for a child. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it just, and almost just giving a young person the space to feel it. Mm -hmm. We're not going to judge it. We're not going to critique it because this is what you're feeling. And I can empathize and try to help move you through it, but I'm not going to punish you for it, or I'm not going to make you feel bad about it. Because if I'm empathizing, then I can maybe go in my own memory banks and feel like I might have been here as well at one point in my life. So I can feel what you're feeling. So just being that present person for them. Absolutely. Which brings us to my next question. As a parent or an educator, there are other influences at play. So they might still be really hard on themselves about a behavioral choice that they made or about a test score. How can we reverse the course and help shift them toward a growth mindset in those challenging, teachable moments? Well, you definitely can pull from your SEL competencies and work with, of course, goal setting and some visualization strategies, but that seems really educational, which is important. I think more importantly than that, you have to encourage them to go make the mistake mm. and still be there, still catch them when they fall, but recognize and help them understand that just as important in life as success is, failure is important as well. Because when I have failed, there were several lessons that I learned that made me a better counselor, made me a better son, made me a better 
befriend every aspect and every role that I play in life. And if we can help individuals, young or old, who are coming to us for that support, recognize that it's okay if you may have met a bump in the road, you will get over this and recognize that there is something for you to gain in this moment in time. So if they're in that moment of, you know what, I've messed up, I've made a major error or a big mistake, again, being present and listening to them, helping them to see the lesson they can get and almost the value in that moment Hmm. and applying that to every facet of their life. Wow. So in other words, it's one thing to hear them and model acceptance of whatever news they're bringing to you, but it's another to encourage that sort of risk-taking and making of mistakes. It's that extra step that will get them farther moving forward. Exactly. To give a quick example from school or from the educational realm, we ask students to select their classes or we ask them to join an organization. Sometimes they may be hesitant. You know, I really don't want to take that advanced class. I don't think I'm cut out for that. So again, being present to hear that, but then helping them to see, you know what, let's push ourselves. Let's give you that opportunity. If within it, we encounter some hurdles or some bumps, and we can work through that. But how, how did you grow? How did you push yourself? And what did you learn about yourself that you can now take with you the next time you have this experience or the next time you encounter somebody who has a similar experience? You can now reach back and help them. One of my favorite quotes is, we rise by lifting others. One of the things that I think is exciting about this is the moment that the student finds success and you see that reaction, you see the eyes light up, you see the joy, it overtakes them. We have a junior beta club and it's an honors organization for students in fourth and fifth grade. And we were preparing our tasks, which are just trophies that they wear all day to recognize and honor their achievements and academics. And one of our fourth grade students who has seen beta since he's been here, his sister is in the beta club, he found me. And he said, I want to be in that. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, tell me why. And he just educated me. He gave me the service projects he could do. He gave me the type of leader that he is. He gave me his schedule of how he can devote his time and talent. And I was completely taken aback. And I said, okay, well, I thank you for that. And we'll we'll see what happens. And he was going to be tapped, so I wrote his name down. Um, when When we presented them with their tap and welcomed them, it was just a moment to see this young man receive a piece of paper with glitter on it with a gold string. And he wore that all day, the smile that came across his face and the thought that he knew I did that. I advocated for myself. I went after that. I said, you know what? I want to be in this, Mr. Franklin. And just to see that complete transformation, I think is one of the the beauties of that elementary level, because we want to take them to that growth mindset. So they can matriculate to middle school and high school and know they can face these challenges. And our challenge is to try to present them with opportunities and experiences that they can have to lean more into their growth mindset so they don't see their intelligence as fixed. 
and how wonderful that you were able to recognize this young student's self-advocacy and his growth mindset and reward that with yes. a next step experience for him. And that's something he'll carry forward, no doubt. Super excited, super excited to see what he does. I'm gonna take us a little bit of a different direction now. At Frameworks, and I know this is true for you at Broward, one thing we think about a lot is equity. And one of the challenges of focusing on growth mindset, according to some scholars, is that we don't want to ignore the role of systemic and structural issues that can hold students back, but that are beyond students' control. So for example, we don't want to suggest that the reason a child isn't excelling academically is just because they need to change their attitude when in fact they haven't been given all of the same opportunities. So how do you reconcile those two things? How can we still try to achieve growth mindset while keeping in mind that there are some more systemic issues at play? I think that the first thing that an educational stakeholder might want to do, and I can say I've taken time to do this myself, is to continue their own education around what's going on whether you're looking at it from what's going on in our schools or what's going on in the community. So continue to educate yourself, whether that's through your own professional reading, your own conversations, your own ability to seek out information so that you can understand what the student is bringing into the classroom. I know I've heard the phrase, the invisible backpack. So not knowing what each of our students are bringing with them every single day. That's the first thing I think that educational stakeholders should do. Continue to educate yourself on what's going on. Once you've done that, or while you're in the process of doing that, then I would suggest talking to your students and giving them a space and time to share with you how they are interpreting what's going on. We as a school are proud partners for four years with Frameworks and have our community building sessions. So those are amazing times where students are just sharing what's going on. And we can take that time to address their feelings about the situations. They can openly discuss about diversity, about social injustice, about equity, or you as the leader of that conversation can begin to introduce those concepts to them so that your learning environment is authentic, open, and true so that you now know how to differentiate for the students in your care every single day. And then the last part of that would be some more personal work in changing or helping to change the perception. The things that our students face, the things that our society places on everyone, they're not excuses. And if we begin to tell ourselves that this is not an excuse for this student, this is a true experience that he or she is having, what can I do within my lesson planning, my structure of my day, my own word choice? What can I do to help that student feel heard, to help them feel seen, and to help create a positive experience for them while they're in my care? When they leave me and they have to experience life, I want them to leave me with some tools. So if I've done those three things, I've educated myself, I've listened to them and know what they're bringing into the classroom every day, and I've changed my own perspective and perception, I think that's very, very powerful because the way it can show itself in the classroom is with the books that I choose, with 
how I structure my grading policies with the amount of time I devote to academics and also social development because I don't want one to outweigh the other. I want them to mirror or to balance. So if I'm giving time to develop a student as a person, those SEL concepts and skills, research says that they're going to do better academically. So my academic time is going to be magnified because I'm giving weight and I'm giving value to that work as well. And I think that's how we can continue to move students forward with a growth mindset when we look at the issues of equity in the classroom. Mm. So another way of thinking about that might be, it's not going to work to encourage a growth mindset in a vacuum, ignoring all of the other factors that influence our students and our children in very real ways. And it's also not enough to do that work ourselves and learn about those factors and practice empathy for what it might feel like to carry that invisible backpack but we also need to hear from students and make it a regular opportunity for student voice to guide us. So now I understand all of those pieces really come together in a way that comes back to what you originally spoke about in terms of respecting our students, respecting who they are, respecting what they bring to the table, respecting that they are fully capable of achieving any goal. And mm -hmm. you know, if we set it for them, they will get there. The way they might get there might look different depending on circumstances. The supports needed might look different, but that growth mindset still comes into play. And one thing I'm hearing from you is that all of this is a way of teaching, is a way of parenting that doesn't require some kind of extra lesson necessarily or extra curriculum or really extra time even. It's simply a way of changing our outlook as the adults, our lens. And this is something we say about social and emotional learning or SEL in general, but I think it applies to the idea of growth mindset as well. It's not an extra thing on the plate. It is the plate. It is what makes everything else work more cohesively and more impactfully when we think about our students' personal success and their academic success. And as you mentioned with your Junior Beta Club Scholar, those skills will serve them in advocating for themselves, believing in themselves for a lifetime. Absolutely. It is the plate. I love that analogy. It is not an extra or it is not done that check. Hmm. It's embedded. And when integrated into classroom communities, when we see it, we definitely see it here from our four years of partnership. We've seen the shift and the change with it being a part of the culture. The biggest change and shift that we have seen is in vocabulary. It has given students and teachers and, and now parents, because we're into year four, a shared language to reference emotions, talk about emotions, and to not punish students for them. So that was a big celebration from the lens of school counseling. We have also seen more students advocating, having conversations with teachers about academics. They're open to share things that are going on within their experience and they feel safe doing that. I think that that is a major takeaway that they can take with them wherever they go. Because prior to the Frameworks Partnership, 
we were in a space where the students were holding things in and they were experiencing things that they still may be experiencing now, but they kept it to themselves and they wouldn't, they wouldn't share. Now we have created spaces and classrooms of care where they are comfortable sharing real experiences, real hardships, and real things that they're going through. And then the other students rally around them to support them through that process. And when they go to middle school, they are leaving us with, oh, you know what? I know how to handle this. I know how to deal with this. I've been here. I know what to do. Um, Again, I got a story. <laughs> so when Miss Sharice and Miss Katie came to, to Broward to do some work in planning for this year, they were showcasing and talking about some of the students in some of the middle schools. And one of our feeder schools, Stewart Middle Magnet, has some of our students over there. And they're telling frameworks, well, these kids are leading CBS. Conversations about emotions, about things that are going on in our lives. And that just, that sent me to the moon. I think it's amazing. The sky's the limit. They've got yes. that toolbox. And thank you for highlighting the work of Sharice and Katie and our whole Frameworks team. I also want to highlight the work of your team at Broward. This didn't happen overnight. As you said, we've partnered for four years strong and there's still work to do. And that's how all this goes. It really takes a village and an ongoing commitment to that work. So absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you for being in our village. Thank you for everything you do every single day, including being a guest right here on SE Elementary. I truly mean it. It is my highest honor and privilege to be a member of the Frameworks Village and to be a part of the team at Broward doing this powerful and impactful work. So every day I feel blessed and excited to be a member of the teams making a difference for our kids. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Mr. Renix Franklin, and to your whole Broward team. This wraps up our episode, but this work will keep happening every day. To support Framework's partnership with schools like Broward, 89 schools and counting, as well as our work with other youth-serving organizations, you can visit myframeworks.org and click the Donate button at the top. Or simply spread the word by sharing this podcast with others, whether they're parents, educators, or simply great humans who will appreciate the conversations. We'll be back in two weeks to explore one of my favorite topics, gratitude, which is something I personally have learned a lot about lately. Until then, be kind to yourself and remember to post that refrigerator work. Take care.